Hey there, everybody, and welcome. Uh, this is Living Forward, and I am Kathy Baker. Each week, I lead a Bible study group, and I do a podcast of my lessons each week, so those who can't attend will be able to take advantage of the lesson. And this week, I am starting a new series. It's called The Healing Miracles of Jesus Then and Now. And we're going to have seven lessons on this topic, and I am so excited to begin it today with the first healing miracle of Jesus. And it's called Jesus Heals a Government Official's Son. And my scripture passage I'll be using is John 4, verses 46 to 54. So I ask you to consider as we begin this lesson, this question, what makes you believe in Jesus? What makes you believe? I want you to be thinking about that as you hear me talk, and then you'll get to the point as we dig into Scripture. Um, let's look, go back to the beginning of healing, and let me introduce you to Yahweh Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. That's what God said. After the Israelites crossed the Red Sea and entered into the wilderness, the water was very bitter and they could not drink from it. And they began their moaning and groaning and their souls began to turn bitter as well. And scripture tells us they grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And so Moses is faced with a very difficult situation in the desert. But instead of protesting, Moses prays. And isn't that what we should do when we get into a hard spot, a difficult situation, a challenge? We begin to protest, don't we? We mumble and we grumble, we complain. And instead of doing what Moses did, and that he went to the Lord and prayed. And so after he prays to the Lord, Scripture tells us, and this is in Exodus 15, verse 25, the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Well, following God's instructions, Moses threw the wood into the water, and the water miraculously became sweet. It was now fit to drink. Immediately after the Lord healed the waters of Marah, God identified himself to them as Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you, is what he says in Exodus 15, verse 26. Let's read that whole verse. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am and here's where he says, the Lord who heals you. And the word in Hebrew is Jehovah Rapha. <clears throat> you see, in this passage, we clearly read there is a covenant, a covenant promise that God made with his people. And it sounds like this. If they obeyed him, then they would not suffer from the diseases that plagued the Egyptians. Well, this covenant he made at that time sets up his plan to help them prevent illness and disease from plaguing them. See, because later, uh, after he did this miracle, he then has a plan of laws that he designed to keep them from diseases. 
Some of these were even moral laws that helped prevent diseases. So God gave these laws to his chosen people so they could be an example to the world. God wanted them to live in a different way, a moral way, so their better health would be noticed by nations uh, around the world. Uh, they would inquire of them, hey, you know, what's going on with you? And, and then it can be seen and shown that others could get the same results as well by believing and trusting and obeying the one true God. Well, let's look at some of these biblical health laws. The most familiar biblical health law is, is the one he gave for clean and unclean meats, creatures that are acceptable to eat and those that are not. And what God was pointing out is that unclean meats would make them sick. And so that's, that's just one example of a, of a health law he gave them. But then there were moral laws. Adultery and fornication are clearly forbidden uh, because they threaten not only the stability of the family and society, but also the health of the individual. And then there's this law. People who touched a dead or diseased person or animal or even garments or secretions from a sick person were to bathe and wash their clothes and avoid contact with others. See, I'm thinking, I don't need a law to tell me that. <laughs> How about you? Um, contaminated garments were to be washed or burned. And they needed a law to help them to figure this out. So important sanitizing principles that were used then are still used today. Dwellings that showed signs of mold or had harbored sick individuals were to be cleaned, repaired, and sometimes destroyed to prevent the spread of disease. Well, there are many more laws that God designed to bring health and safety to his people. The health laws that God gave to Moses did not focus on treating disease, but instead focused on preventing disease and promoting health. Do you get the difference there? Instead of laws to treat, he said, this is how you can prevent disease. You know, I'm recently watched uh, a video uh, that was done by a highly respected and nationally recognized physician this week. And he said this, sadly, many physicians, drug companies, and government agencies are focusing on disease management instead of health management. Do you see that too? I, I see it so clearly with what we're dealing with, with COVID-19. Um, instead of talking about what prevents us from getting that disease and how we can actually treat it effectively, we're just managing, we're just managing a disease instead of working to help people have better health. Well, that was not God's plan. Uh, in the book, The History of Medicine, <clears throat> it says this, that God's laws promote purity. And here's what it says, pure food, pure water, pure air, pure bodies, and pure dwellings. 
doesn't that make so much sense to us? And if you're interested in digging down into this more, you might want to go back and read some of the chapters in Leviticus. Oh, yes, that book that people avoid because you don't want to get bogged down in all the rules and regulations and the laws. But it's so interesting to take Leviticus chapters 11 through 15 and read about God's health instructions. See, God's laws for the Israelites went beyond uh, health care. It, it also included laws to help them to be moral and, and spiritually different from unbelievers. They were all, when you look at that whole package of laws, they were a blueprint for holiness. God was showing them how to live and how to think in his ways. He was protecting them, wasn't he? Over the centuries, we've gotten away from God's plan to keep us healthy. And sometimes we're even dismissive of, dismissive of some of these laws in Leviticus. But maybe we should revisit some of those laws. <clears throat> well, let's get back to God's miracle, turning bitter water to sweet water. God used Moses and the wood to make the water better. Now, God could have used any means at all. He could have used no one or he could have used anything or anyone. He could only have used his word to change the water. And it's the same today. See, God uses many people and many things to both heal and cure us. Our great physician uses our physicians and medicines and therapeutics and vitamins and a whole host of other things, tools to both help prevent illness and to heal us. So I just find it so interesting that God chose to use Moses and wood for healing the waters. I just love thinking about the ways God tries to help us, to heal us, and to promote good health. <clears throat> Let's go back to that word Rafa. <clears throat> the word Rafa is used some 60 times in the Old Testament, and it means to restore, to heal, or to cure. And it's, it's also to take care of, much like nursing someone to health and taking care of them. It is a wonder to think that God himself is taking care of me in any suffering that I might experience or he's ministering to me in my needs, in my pain, in my hurt, and yours too. Jehovah Rapha, see, heals us in all aspects of our being, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And sometimes we need healing in all of those areas. David did. Let's read what it says in Psalm 6, verses 2 and 3, and see the emotional, phys physical, and spiritual healing that David was calling for. Emotionally, he was saying, have compassion on me, Lord, for I am really weak. Physically, he was saying, heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. And spiritually, he was saying, I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Jehovah Rapha restores us heals us, and he cures us in our body, our soul, and our spirit. Spirit. We call this the tripartite being, those three parts of us. That's our body, our soul, and, and the soul includes our mind and our personality, and then our spirit. So God reveals himself as this Jehovah Rapha, 
the God who heals, when we're in need of healing of our soul. And, and when we, we read in Psalm 147.3, it clearly says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, he, he does the healing of the soul and of the body. God heals emotional hurts and broken hearts. We can hand that those hurts to the healer. And then physically, our body, some of us are experiencing tough times right now. Some of you are, are in the process of dealing with pain. You have discouragement from physical difficulties. Maybe it's a personal pain or maybe we're devastated by uh, the news of a family member or friend or whatever, but we're, we're um, in agony in our bodies. We're in pain in our bodies <clears throat> and God heals that. And then God uh, he is a spiritual healer. He heals our spirit. This is by far the most important of the three realms of healing. The Lord sees that we are spiritually sick and he provides healing and wholeness through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. I want you to think for a moment about examples of your own sickness. Where are you sick in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit? And then I want you to be thinking of what is the hardest sickness for you to face? Is it hardest for you to face a sick body, a sick soul, or a sick spirit? Be thinking about that because God heals all of those and sometimes what happens, well, I dare say it's all the time when we are sick in one area, it affects the other two, doesn't it? Well, so now that we know God is a healer and he can heal us in body, soul, and spirit, we may wonder, you may be asking this question, well, why don't we see him doing it more often? You might be saying, I cry out to this Jehovah Rapha to heal my family, my friends, myself. You might be saying, we see suffering all around the world and we cry out to God to bring healing and we know he can and sometimes he does, but why doesn't he always do it? This is a fundamental and troubling question of our faith, isn't it? And it has troubled people since the beginning of our faith. David was troubled by it also. Let's look at what David says and does in 2 Samuel 12. The whole passage is found in verses 14 to 23. David clearly knew that God heals. He pleaded with the Lord to heal his son. This is the son he had after his sin with Bathsheba. David did just really nothing else during this time except fast and plead with God. He seemed to have neglected all of his duties as king, and his advisors were even pleading with him to get up and eat. But God did not grant his plea. The baby died. There was nothing more that David could do. And so here is what Scripture says in 2 Samuel 12, verse 20. So David got up from the ground, bathed, put on oil, and changed his clothes. He went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. David washed and worshiped and went on. 
See, David knew that God could change the sickness to health, but he accepted that God did not do it in the way David expected it to be done. We can take this as an example to cry out to God about our circumstances, our illness, our pain, and then to learn to accept that although healing is always possible, it's not always given as requested. Can we learn to accept God's answers for us and learn to wash and worship and go on? What a beautiful lesson for us to learn about healing. Well, in this series, we are going to study examples of Jesus' miracles of healing. So I wanted us to to set the stage for this by seeing God as Jehovah Rapha, as the healer. And then I want us to move now into the New Testament and to see Jesus uh, and his miracles of healing. You know, it's a miracle. It's not something uncommon for us. We hear that a lot. We toss it around. It's a miracle we connected to our flight. It's a miracle it turned out as well as it did. Or it's a miracle we didn't have a car wreck. Or we, we say that word a lot, don't we? Well, let's look at what it means. A miracle is a word or marvel that defies rational explanation. It surpasses all known human or natural powers. And because of this, it has to be attributed to supernatural causes. Miracles are the visible results of divine intervention. If miracles now are the result of divine intervention, well, what do unbelievers call a miracle? See, they call it a coincidence or an act of faith. Because what constitutes a miracle is dependent on a personal view of God. Think about this. If a person does not believe God is an active part of this world, then there are no miracles. There are just unexplained happenings. We as believers and followers of Jesus Christ believe in miracles because we believe that Our God is divine, that he has powers, supernatural powers to make things happen that we cannot understand. Do you know that nowhere in the New Testament is there a record of a divine spokesperson arguing for the validity of miracles? See, when Jesus performed his miracles, even his enemies did not deny that they occurred. They merely attempted to attribute his power to some other source. But no one denied they occurred. Now, during his three-year ministry on earth, Jesus is widely considered to have performed at least 37 miracles. Approximately two-thirds of these recorded miracles involved healing. Healing was so important to Jesus that he invested much of his supernatural, miraculous, transforming energy to it. Each healing miracle was accompanied by a message. 
and it either met a serious human need or it confirmed Christ's identity and authority as the Son of God. See, there was a purpose to the miracles. Time and time again, Jesus used the opportunity to heal someone as a way of teaching us something else. Jesus' method to grow his followers on earth was to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons, and then he commanded his disciples to do the same. Is that command the same today for his followers? You know, we're going to grapple with that during this series. As I was preparing for this, I met with Pastor Nathan, and I wanted to hear his beliefs on Jesus' healing power both then and now. And, and here is what he shared with me. Uh, certainly, a major part of Jesus' ministry was one of healing. In fact, we can see his whole mission of coming to this earth as one of offering healing to all the world. He healed people of their various diseases and infirmities. He sometimes connected the person's faith with the healing. <clears throat> he sometimes connected forgiveness of sins with healing. It is a reminder that healing is not just limited to the physical, but we are connected in our total being of the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. I believe God still offers healing to us, Pastor Nathan said. Some people have a gift for healing. Again, in various ways or focused on some portion of our being. <clears throat> He said, I believe the expectation of any follower of Christ is to simply be faithful in praying for healing, realizing that God heals in different ways and in different time frames. Some healing takes place suddenly, but often it is over an extended period of time. We must always remember that the healing does not come from us, but from the Holy Spirit, we know as God is the healing source. I just love those words that he shared, and it's so much, I'm in so much agreement with him on the, that stance, that belief of healing then and now. <clears throat> I also, in preparing for this, met with a couple <clears throat> who has greatly influenced my beliefs about healing. It's Dr. Dan Pinckney and his wife, Yara. Yara visited with us in our WOW Bible study uh, on several occasions a few years ago. And Dan is an ordained Presbyterian minister. and He married Yara, who's from Rio de Janeiro, and they have an adult son. They've been missionaries just in so many places in the world. They've been to Ecuador and Italy and Germany and and Dan has been on the pastoral staffs in Miami and Bethesda, Maryland and Naples, Florida. And it was there that he ministered as spiritual director and the CEO of the Christian Healing Center of Naples. And then they came here to Chattanooga and he is currently the founder and director of Sozo Chattanooga. It is a, a nonprofit dedicated to free of charge, bringing Christ's healing to the whole person, spirit, soul, and body through prayer. Well, um, I've met with them on uh, several occasions and had prayers for healing, and I met with them again last week for prayers and guidance on this series, and what a supportive resource they are. You're going to get to hear from them on February 23rd, 
as they share about healing. But last week, one thing Dan reminded me of when we talked of healing is our responsibility to make sure our walk with Christ is right. And what that means, it, it often involves confession, forsaking, and forgiveness. All of those are so important for healing in all areas, the body, the soul, and spirit. Confession, forsaking, and forgiveness are so important. You'll be hearing more and more about that as um, the series continues. Well, in this series, we're going to look at some of the healing miracles of Jesus, and we're going to observe the miracle, the message, and the result of the miracle. And we'll see what we can learn today about how Jesus wants to heal our heart, our hurts, and our pains, and our brokenness. We're going to see how the miracle healings continued uh, through the apostles as he told them to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. He told them to cast out demons and heal the sick. And then we're going to see that through the book of Acts that the disciples did what they saw Jesus model and had commanded them to do. And that result was great evangelism. And then we're going to see that Jesus sent out 70, not just the apostles, to heal the sick. These miracles in Jesus' name show that the apostolic signs and wonders are not unique to Jesus and the apostles. It's in the book of Acts that we see that Stephen did great signs and wonders among the people, even though he was in the deacon category and not the apostle category. And then we see uh, it says that the multitudes gave heed to what was said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs which he did. And Philip was not an apostle, but he performed miraculous signs. And then the apostle Paul performed miracles throughout his missionary journeys. And then finally, we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, that among the spiritual gifts given to the members of the church at Corinth were gifts of healings and workings of miracles. So do miracles still occur today? I ask you. Yes. And do healings occur today? Yes, and you will hear stories during this series of modern-day miracles and of healings. I can't wait to share those things with you. Um, So that is the introduction to this series. Uh, So I'm going to leave this podcast for just that introduction, and then the next one that you will hear will be the story of the first healing miracle. Please respond and and let me know how you feel about all of this, and if you have any questions, I just wanted to give the background and introduction to uh, this series, and I'm going to share with you the uh, upcoming first miracle of Jesus next.